You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. How's it going? It's going pretty well over here. It's a it's a whole new world of magic. I've had an exciting weekend. Um, don't know what I'm doing. Playing new formats, losing at old formats. So uh, having having a good time over here. <laughs> I I do. I am currently surrounded by uh, old magic cards of yesteryear. Yesteryear being 2015. Um, I've I've still a lot of sorting to go through. Uh, go through my 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 bulk rares have now become pioneer staples, and it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is pretty cool definitely i'm like holy shit i now have a lot more value worth of magic cards but it's annoying because i don't have any of those cards on magic online which which is where i've kind of been playing the last while so that doesn't really help me very much and the decks have all instantly become really really expensive on magic online so but yeah I'll, i have a collection for paper for the foreseeable future for pioneer which is great i'm sure a lot of our listeners are in the same boat probably a lot of people that uh that started around the same time we did you know what? Well, you know what I did because I'm a big, a big bloody Egypt. Uh, once they announced historic, I looked at my, I looked at a bunch of my old cards, like you know, Shandra Torture Twines, and I'm like, ah, do you know, what? I, uh, if there's going to be no paper uh, historic, maybe I'll sell these. And I sold a few uh, of my old cards, and then they announced this. I'm like, oh, god damn it! Wish I had those cards back. I can loan you them. I have like six Chandras or something for some reason. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yes. My, uh, all my cards are already sorted i uh i kept a meticulous frontier binder so oh yeah nice oh yeah i remember you saying before uh lads frontier becomes a thing i'm gonna be rolling in the rolling in real estate or whatever it phrases <laughs> it'll be yeah my old plated diapers my frontier binder is like better than my modern and standard binders at all times i was just looking at it because I, I never opened it other than to just look at my cards unfortunately <laughs> Well, now Ooh, the, the Pioneer Challenge decklist just went up, by the way, as well, Ooh. as we're recording. Yeah. Oh, live. Hot off the presses. Yes, we are. Um, we are going to be talking about a lot of Pioneer this week. Uh, we're going to be going over some decklists. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Standard as well. But uh, I guess we'll just get that out of the way to start with, will we? Standard, yeah. 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 Get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, format. No one's interested in it anymore. Uh yeah, so what what are what are the statistics here? Something like seventy something percent Oko? Yeah, I think it was sixty-eight exactly, but I was rounding up to seventy. Yeah. Sixty sixty-eight percent of the decks on the MCQ weekend on Arena day two were Oko decks. Um so I believe it was I can't remember, it was something like yeah, it was basically not it was only seventy percent because some fool decided to only play two Okos at their deck instead of four, otherwise it would have been seventy percent. And also we had how many noxious grasps in the main deck as well? Some insane number. Um let me check the stats here. hundred and thirty main deck noxious grasps out of uh what's the out of a possible two two eighty or something. So yeah, so forty something percent of the field uh main decking noxious grasp. Uh God. I think it's slightly less than that. There was 102 total deck lists for day two of the Arena MCQ, and the maximum amount of copies a non-basic land card can have is 408. Oh, my bad, my bad. Oh, there was 130... Uh... Oh, no, it is. Yeah, you're right. No, it is 40%, because it, the the Noxious Grasps were... There was 130 in main decks, but it was 42 decks, so... Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. There was 
202 total noxious grasps. So there's another 72 in sideboards. Yep. So that's pretty outrageous. Um, and yeah, so I was looking at the top 16. I think there were 11 Oko decks in the top 16 that actually qualified for the Mythic Championship as well. So that the Oko thing just bore out through day two uh, and through all, all the winning decks, basically. Dear God. I think it was, there's, there's a tweet. Oh, I actually can't find it now. I think it was a BBD uh, tweeted saying, oh, I hate it when my opponent uh, countered my Noxious Grasp with a Veil of Summer. I really hate it when uh, players' main main deck uh, sideboard hate like this feels really scummy. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's, oh, it's so absurd. And it's like, I, I'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm playing the GP this weekend and like I've been testing a lot of Soul Tide, a, a lot of Civic. I think when, I was kind of happy enough playing Soul Tide, but then when it came to a point when you know, it was a seven and I just had to play Noxious Grass with me and just, it just, it's just something I just hate doing so much because especially, I mean, maybe it's a different call for a GP. You know, at a GP, you could be, um, you could, uh, you know, you, you could main deck four and Noxious Grass be set up for the mirror, be set up for the mirror and then you'll lose to, uh, you know, lose to Rakdos or Mono Red in the first round. You know, early on in GP, people just play anything. So like, it's, maybe it's, I'm convinced myself it's not the right thing to do with a GP, but I still haven't, I still haven't figured it out yet. Do you have any buys? So, I actually don't know. I, I, I haven't, haven't gone to a GP buys in a while. I think I do. Um, there's a handy way to check. I will do that. But uh, I might have one or two. Yeah, because that could actually influence your decision there, right? If you don't have any buys, you might want to play a less uh, folk, a less a deck list that targets those Oko decks less. But if you have a buy or two, that, and you might get to skip those rounds where people are playing random stuff and, and you might want to play the Noxious Crosps. Yeah, that is exactly. That is a very important point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I'll, I'm gonna, I want to just pin down kind of my my options at the moment. Uh, what what they will do? I'll, I'll play. Um, I do have quite experience with Sultai, but it's yeah, it's it's uh, it, probably, uh Sultai party is most likely what I will play. Uh, still kind of be a big Sultai Walker deck, kind of going over the top a little bit. Um, but I will. I've been looking at fires at the moment. Uh, I played Grixis fires. There's, there's a Grixis fires list that went uh, something like seven two at the MCQ, and um, I was just I was just trying that, and then the first round they went I went against an opponent with one of black. And I do, I tirated them on turn two, and I saw they had like Noxious, Noxious Grasp in their hand game one. So that was just like obviously very pack bending for them. So I think something like Grixis Fires or Jeskai Walkers, Jeskai Super Friends Fires is something that might just take advantage of how homogenous the meta apparently is right now. Uh, there's like, there's very little, there's very little enchantment hate at the moment as well. Even the cyborgs, there's very little. Um, but it's something I am considering. I'll play a few games during the week and see if I change my mind by the end of the week. But that's uh, where my, my mind is right now. I think there were three fires decks in day two, or maybe even in the top sixteen. No, in day two of the yeah, um, there... um, one was Grixis. So I think I think it's fine. It's not great. Like the you can deal with everything from the Oko deck, but the problem is the diversity of threats that they have. Like if if you have to answer Oko starting on turn two, Nissa potentially starting on turn three. Uh, Wicked Wolf is a massive problem for those type of decks because you you only have really destroy effects. So I think maybe Epic Downfall or some, or Obnixus's Cruelty would be something that you'd have to look into. Yeah, actually, I've seen some display in Epic Downfall. Um, yeah, and I think definitely like things Walkers, you can answer creatures, you can answer then Wicked Wolf, like you're saying, yeah, is is almost attacking on a tiny different axis to all of those. Um, yeah, definitely would even plan for that. So and then uh, that's I think Epic Downfall. Having access to Dixon's Cruelty and Epic Downfall are kind of what's make Tenby towards Grixis rather than uh, Jeskai, but then, well, yeah, obviously Jeskai has other, other benefits as well. But Jeskai can usually win faster, right? Yeah, yeah, you just have an explosive um, Star Counter. Yeah. So, yeah. Do we think uh, do we think a ban is on the cards, even though we just had a ban announcement? It has to be, right? 
Like, this is 67% of a massive, massive tournament, right? Now, people were going mad over 40% Golos in a 68-player tournament. And this is, uh, what I don't know how many thousands of people played this Arena MCQ and 100 people in, in the winner's metagame in day two. 67% of them are playing Oko decks. Like the, and the so it's, main board, Noxious Grasps, is absolutely absurd. It's ridiculous, right? So here's the thing. It's, I think it's a matter of not if, but when. And that when is quite an interesting question because there's another Mythic Championship next weekend. Next weekend? It's not next weekend, is it? Yeah, November 8th. Oh my god, that's insane. Yeah, it's uh, MC6 in Richmond is November 8th to 10th standard and <laughs> Eldraine booster draft. So it's the tabletop MC for for this format. Um, so can they possibly ban it before then? Would it be really unfair on everyone who's done testing for this MC? But Because like the MC is just going to absolutely tank if they don't. And there's going to be so many Oko decks that they won't be able to find feature matches to put on camera that aren't Oko mirrors basically every round. They just won't exist. <laughs> God damn it. What do you think the uh, like the top pros are just all going to be on like variations of Oko decks? So anybody, I think so. Any, anybody like, who is a personality that they would want to put on camera is just going to be Oko. Yeah, and you know the way usually during this type of thing, they try to like find some some other feature matches and stuff so it doesn't look like it's that bad. They The percentage is just going to be too high among the top tables. They won't be able to do it, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, once you're over 60, it's I think, almost impossible yet to find. Just so people get, because we were talking about this off mic, but just so people realize this, this is not just a problem with Standard. Oko this weekend on Magic Online won the Legacy Challenge, the Vintage Challenge, and the Pioneer Challenge. And I assume the standard challenge. Was there a standard? Uh, th no, there's no standard event. Except, uh, well, there's PTQs and stuff, but there wasn't one this weekend. So yeah, just the only one it won, was, it didn't win, was the modern challenge. And there, I think there were one or two in the top eight of the modern challenge as well. So it's it's taking over. It was pretty, the vintage deck was pretty sweet, I gotta say. It was uh, Oath of Druids. So I, saw, I watched a match where... Um, the opponent against Oath of Druids played a Grafdigger's Cage. The Oath of Druids player untapped, played Oko, turned the Grafdigger's Cage into an Elk, which gave the opponent a creature, which then triggered the Oath of Druids and, and won the Oko player of the game. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's bananas. So disgusting. Extra tech. <laughs> yeah, it turned their hate piece into an enabler. Unbelievable. Oh my goodness. Why does Oko say artifacts? I don't know. It's so weird. And also, why is it so specific? Like that you can, even though you could you could turn an artifact into a thing and you can swap an artifact, you can't take an artifact. Like it's so specific, but still so broken. It's like they put some thought into it, but just not quite enough to get there and make a reasonable magic card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What What do you think the situation would be if Oko were like you know? When we saw the art, like pre the, the card being spoiled, everyone was like, oh, it's going to be the first Sultai Planeswalker. How, how do you think, do you think anything would be different if it were actually like Sultai, like black, blue, green to cast? Mm, yeah, because uh, it would be very hard to play it on turn two, right? Even even off a goose. That would, like you, you would need the two, two correct dual lands to play it. You couldn't just play a basic. Yeah. Uh, and, or no, sorry, you could play one basic, but. But yeah, you know what I mean? It would be tougher. And yeah, it would just like in, in older formats, obviously that makes it much, much tougher to play as well. So yeah, I think that I think that that would 
would have been a pretty fair thing to do. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. Yeah. But yeah, it's just the card is just completely unreasonable. So the way I'm thinking about a ban is basically thinking about it from like a probability curve. I I feel like by the time Theros Beyond Death comes out, hundred percent chance it's banned. And then we kind of have a sort of curve from going going down from from then in the future until now in terms of likelihood. So I don't think they're going to ban it before this MC. They might ban it before the next MC after that in December, and they will certainly ban it before the next set comes out. Okay. Yeah, the actual the, yeah the next actual BL arrangement is eighteenth uh, of November, which I think that's after Richmond, right? Yes, it's uh, yeah, so two weeks afterwards, yeah, or a week, yeah, just over a week, yeah. Yeah, so I think that that is. I mean, if if the narrative of of Richmond is Yoko Oko is Broko, then um, I think 18 November will be quite likely. As far as something already considering as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think from a business point of view, I guarantee that like people have stopped logging into Arena at this point because of Oko. I certainly have. Yeah, I mean, I'm in this one, but there's the content factor of Pioneer. Uh, very hard to. I'd say numbers in Arena definitely are down. Are down. Uh, I think it's would they contribute that to Pioneer or contribute that to Oko? Mm, I would say that the pioneer numbers are like a are like a splash in the bucket compared to uh, compared to the arena numbers. Like even when I was playing the arena leagues or whatever on Moto the other day, there was only like seven hundred people active in the league. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, where Zona uh, sure, uh, yeah, Arena yeah. must have like tens of thousands of concurrent players at like all times. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you said arena league there. You mean pioneer league? Sorry, the pioneer league on Magic Online. Yeah, had like seven hundred yeah. people. I'm sure it's higher now, but. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, I, yeah, and it's also that case. Yeah, there's also that case. People who will be like people who will be logging off arena are not playing magic at all, and they're playing a different game, which is quite bad for for wizards. Yeah, like a lot of the audience for arena is going to be people who are relatively casual, and they are the first people who will be like, "All right, screw this." If they're playing against the same match round after round. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think uh, you know the the marketing or the business guys at at wizards and at Hasbro having that immediate feedback of the data coming into arena how many people are logging on how many people are buying packs that's got to be dropping right now and i feel like that could be a big push for a faster band than we're maybe used to seeing i think it's just we live in a different age now with uh, with arena um yeah that's a that's a good point yeah the i i think do you think that we would see an oko ban in any other format as well um, because it is really powerful in all these formats, I think. And one reason why we might not see a ban in those formats is that um, people are going to feel super bad when this card gets banned in standard because it's astronomically expensive right now, in both in paper and on Magic Online. It's like <laughs> it's actually it's more expensive on Magic Online, right? It's more it's like ninety ticks or whatever. Yep. And that's kind of the thing where people have stopped drafting on Magic Online because Arena came out. So the new set, Mythics, whichever ones are good, are always just insanely expensive and everything else is worthless is kind of how Magic Online works now. Yeah. So that kind that that value that is added to Oko from the demand from those older formats will stop people from feeling quite so bad that their card got banned in standard because that's not the only place that where there's demand for it. And it'll bring the price down a good bit, but more like it won't, it won't tank the price, basically. It'll, it'll keep it in line. So I do think Wizards have, like, obviously they never acknowledge the secondary market or whatever. They're, if they need to ban the card, they'll ban the card. But I'm sure uh, consumer confidence is damaged when they ban a really expensive card. So I'm sure that they think long and hard before they do it. And this is one kind of barrier that it maybe is not there for Oko. But it could be if it's also banned in other formats at the same time. 
Yeah, I do, personally, I don't think they need to ban it in any other format. Um, Pioneer, it's too early to say, and there's enough broken stuff in Pioneer that I don't think Oko will even be first on the chopping block there. I would expect to see Treasure Cruise dig through time uh, under first under consideration there before anything else, and probably Sahili in or around the same level. Um, in terms of modern, I think it's kind of it's powerful, but it's it's not dominating the format in legacy the problem is that rogue delver was already the best deck when it got renin six and now it just has another busted planeswalker as well so there i think you could make the argument for banning renin six in legacy instead of oko because i think it's a much more obnoxious card the fact that it combos with wasteland so well and stuff like that just leads to like such an unpleasant gameplay experience that that i prefer personally would prefer to see renin six go because both of the planeswalkers are in the same decks anyway um and in vintage who knows <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen with the vintage restricted list yeah i don't think you're with uh, renin six <laughs> yeah, i think it's as awful as we say coco is i think uh, renin six is uh possibly higher i don't know renin six doesn't turn my stuff into elks i mean that's it i mean i suppose it, I, it's a conversation i think obviously is very labored and people say this all the time like oh things that could make oko not be broken like uh, things change the loyalty but i feel like it's i think like this makes so much sense if after turning something into an elk he's left at three loyalty so you get the benefit of switching off your creature but he dies with backswing because i think so many planeswalkers who are who who have a minus or how to say like brassic minuses to kill something these are very very vulnerable to crack back if, even if they have a one one so many planeswalkers have been designed so often that switching off a creature or killing a creature leaves them vulnerable uh just the fact that oko can happily turn something into a tree tree and then still be left on uh four loyalties so dumb. five loyalties. to me the most to me the most obnoxious thing is that uh the tourney comes into play and plus twos to make a food you can't fry and and kill kill them in response like the hate card for planeswalkers in the in those colors does not kill him you know even if you have it up on on turn two yeah i also strongly dislike the the play pattern of play him plus up to six and then that automatically sets up a situation where the very next turn you can't play your own creature if it's three power or less Yeah, so, it just it just feels like you're in the abyss. It feels like playing a creature into Liliana the Veil or something. Except at least Liliana has to minus to at that point. Oko just gets to plus and ends up on like ten loyalty. I saw a tweet the other day that was like someone was like, "You literally play Oko, make a food, and then you could almost just roll a die and and activate a random ability every turn for the rest of the game of Oko, and you would probably still win." Dear <laughs> <laughs> God! Oh my God! Um, I like how all. I like how all three of us have picked different aspects of them that's absolutely broken and <laughs> there's not even any... Uh, oh, yeah, they're they're all equally, all very bad. Yeah. There's nothing good in this guy. And they're all on the one card. <laughs> three mana. Three mana. Um, yeah, I, I, like some people feel, I know, feel that it's not conducive to discuss things like this because what's the point? But um, I think in this case... It's just so egregious, and the format is in, in just such a warped state because of uh, Oko uh, that I, I think it's actually fairly reasonable to discuss the, the potential of a ban and what could happen if that were the case. Yeah. And like the bummer, I think BK was saying this on Manassa's stream the other day. It's basically like this card is supposed to be the, the food synergy card, right? That helps out all the food cards in Eldraine to be good. And that certainly is what's happening in standard with Simic food and stuff like that. But then you look at modern, it's like 
Uh, maybe you play the goose, maybe you don't. You don't have any, anything else that does with food. In Legacy and Vintage, you certainly don't. You're just playing Oko for the value it provides on its own. So like they really screwed up there in terms of it's not just a food synergy card. It's just a powerhouse by itself in, in older formats. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it just sustains itself so well. Uh, it's, it's, it's really dumb. Anyway, I think everyone knows it's good. I just wanted to know, yeah, do we think it's going to get... I don't think it's going to get banned before this Mythic Championship, but I hope we don't have to wait until the Theros release for it to get banned. Yeah. Yeah, so I played in the Arena MCQ this past weekend, day one. Uh, it was my deepest run so far, but uh, still did not day two. So I went 4-2. and two. Is that how I did? Yes, started at 4-0 into 4-2. and two. And yeah, five of my... Six rounds, I faced Oko, Oko decks, and I myself was playing a Sultai food deck as well. Um, nothing revolutionary in my list. I was watching the streamer Crokies, and he had some Massacre Girls. I felt that those were pretty decent, so I used those. Um, didn't Wasn't really impressed with Vraska, so I didn't have her. Um, I do like that she can kill Oko, but she's not great against some of the other stuff, like like Hydroid Craces and Wicked Wolf and what have you. So. Um, I feel like a lot of your stuff you want to keep in play, like your resources. Uh, you don't actually want to sacrifice your food all that much because you want to kind of keep it for a Wicked Wolf uh, when when you draw one. So I didn't have Raska. But uh, yeah, tournament was fine. Um, I'll just quickly give a rundown of my rounds. So we'll front load the tournament report here. Although I think we might talk about the Pioneer Challenge at the end as well. Um so match one, I played against a, a blue-green deck with like Maraleaf Pixie and Mu Yan Ling. Uh, so I was a bit confused. Uh, <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, the opponent, uh, so game game one, I kept a land heavy hand, I lost. Game two, the opponent had Spyglass for both of my Planeswalkers, uh, Oko and Nissa. Um, and I played them in the order that I couldn't, I couldn't uh, elk uh, a Spyglass and uh but I, he he just had no or the opponent had no um no pressure to back that up so i was able to just win with like wicked wolf and some stuff on the board um and game three i was able to ultness and win match two my opponent was on teamer oko uh i had lots of wicked wolves uh game two my opponent multi five and i had a really slow hand it was two oko one nissa one crisis and three lands but yeah with the opponent on a multi five i was able to win fairly easily match three was my only non-oko match it was against black green adventures I actually have a full page of notes for this one because i think it was if i remember correctly it was a fairly insane game uh, so game one i was on the play i multi six and the opponent multi six as well um opponent had rankle and questing beast um keeper into rankle again and lost that one game two the opponent multi six uh rankle was the mvp of this game again I was able to top deck a Krasis into an untapped land with a Veil to play uh, on a crucial turn, and then I got two Wicked Wolves, so I was able to get that in game two. Game three, my opener was... thought this was an interesting one, actually. Uh, so I was on the draw again. My opener was four land, Nissa, Massacre Girl, and one Once Upon a Time. Did you keep that on the draw in, a, in the black? Say again? It was, uh, my opening hand was four lands, of like very like whatever all my colors uh nissa one masker girl and one once upon a time mm, yeah i'd probably keep that yeah you're, you're if you if you just find the manator off once upon a time you're happy yeah so i drew a land i drew land land but i think 
I was able to once upon a time into a paradise druid. Um, opponent had a beast, a questing beast, and developed a big board. But I was able to drop my massacre girl in time. I think I was on. I think I was on. I was on a very low life total. Anyway, when I cast the massacre girl, I might have been on like three or something. Um, the opponent was able to cast find from of find finality into a murderous rider. Uh, but I had Veil for that, and I was able to once upon a time into a Crisis for the win there. So that was pretty. That was a pretty uh, exciting match. Uh, round four, I was against Teamer Food or Teamer Oko, whatever. Uh, game one, I was on the play. Opponent had turn two Oko, but I had turn three Vraska. Uh, the opponent had Skargan Hellkite, and then I misplayed and I lost. Uh, I attacked with something. What did I do? Uh, yeah, I had I had a. Masker Girl in my hand, and I attacked with my Paradise Druid. I attacked with a couple of things to try and kill my opponent's Oko, or to make it lose loyalty, because I didn't have enough to kill it, because the opponent had blockers. So I attacked with a few things, and I was one of my creatures, anyway, died in the attack, and it was exactly what I needed to... It was, it was the one creature that I needed in order to chain Masker Girl the whole way to wipe the entire board. So what happened was my side of the board got wiped, and half the opponent's side of the board got wiped. So that was a big misplay from my part. Um, game two, my opener was four lands, Wolf, Nissa, Krasis. The opponent had Sarkhan, but I was able to deal with it using Wolf. Uh, so they, they minus to make a dragon, and I was able to Wolf and, and attack with what I had on board. Uh, game three, we bought multi six. I had Goose, Wolf, Raska, Lance. Uh, Krasis was my bridge. They played really slowly. So uh, I, I think I had Dispute and my opponent knew it. So they were playing around it and they were able to veil my Dispute. But then I had Vraska. Uh, in this game, the opponent had four Disdainful Stroke. And eventually I played through them all and I topped Agnissa to win. Uh, match five was versus Sultai Food. My opponent had Obnixus's Cruelty. Um, so they were able to win the match basically because of that, because of uh, using Cruelty on my Wicked Wolves. Uh, I don't think anything particularly interesting happened in this game. No. Uh, match 6 was versus Simic Foods. So uh, match 5 was my first loss, and then match 6 was my second loss. Uh, game 1, I was on the draw. I developed Oko first. The opponent had a Beast, but I had Wicked Wolf. So we kill each other's Okos, but I have more material in play. But then the opponent got a Krasis, and I have to decide between simplify the board with a Massacre Girl or Attack. And this was my biggest misplay because I actually timed out. Uh, I potentially could have won that game. Um, there was a lot of complicated turns before that where I had to think for a while so I used two ropes so I thought usually when you rope down you get another one but uh, because I had done it already in the match I only had one rope so I was about to make my attack or do whatever I was doing but then the rope just passed the turn to the opponent so um, that was the main problem in that one and then game two I had a decent opener but the opponent and the opponent mulled to six but I missed my third land. Um, he was able to kill my Paradise Druid. And he used the Sainful Stroke, or the opponent used the Sainful Stroke on my Vraska. Uh, and I had stolen the opponent's Wicked Wolf at one point. Um, and they put their own Wicked Wolf back on top of their library with either Gust. So that was unfortunate. Uh, and yeah, that was the end of my tournament. God, yeah, man. Sounds like you played well. Sounds like you you had approached the matchups uh, very well to me. Uh, so fair play for that. Honestly, I think just in a meta that's that's this uh, closed off, the games are, are going to be close, and and it's it's going to swing that way sometimes. Yeah, 
yeah, I was happy enough with my play, except for that one timeout. Uh, was very unfortunate, so um, I'll be aware of that going forward in the future. But yeah, Pioneer. This is even more exciting. This is the most most that I've played on MTGO ever, maybe ever. It's great. Love it. Yes. You know me. Nothing, nothing but good things to say about Moto, me. <laughs> um, in, in Moto, when you go to your game history, is that your full game history for all time? I'm not sure. I think it might clear if you uninstall and reinstall the program or you're accessing it from a different computer or something like that. Yeah, so I guess this... For me, this would be since I have been using this computer, which is only in Vietnam. So yeah, if I look here, it goes back to the 12th of the 8th, 2018. And yeah, like, well, as I scroll down the thing here, more than half is Pioneer of the matches that I've played. And that's in a year. And Pioneer has been out a week, so. Hell yeah. Well, that's... Um, yeah, so it's pretty great. I've played multiple leagues. Um I can tell you the decks that I've been playing. Uh, the most recent one that I played was in Soul Artifact, Jeskai in Soul Artifact. I played Grixis Dragons, Jeskai Tempo. I played a lot of stupid, stupid fair decks. Uh, Mono Red, Red Green Marvel, Blue White Spirits, and an attempt at Sultai Reanimator. That was very bad. That was war about Sultai Reanimator. That was very bad. Um, it has Chart of Course. Um, it has Jace Friends Prodigy. Seder Wayfinder, Champion of Wits, Blood for Bones, the Scarab God, and then the reanimation targets are Dragonlord Silumgar, Agent of Treachery, and Hornet Queen. That sounds perfect to me. I don't know. I don't know what could go wrong. Uh, it's very slow, and if you don't find Blood for Bones or the Scarab God, then all your stuff is very bad. That's fair. That is probably true. Yeah. Uh, and Hornet Queen is a Hornet Queen is a four four. Hornet Queen is a two two. Oh no! You can make it a four-four. It's carved cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she has death touch, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess I've I've pretty much just been playing uh, Arclight Phoenix, various builds of Is It Phoenix, um, and a little bit of Mono Red Prowess just to, at the start to try it out. Um, been I'd say reasonably happy with the deck. I think it's probably kind of like in a sort of Jundi type place where you don't exactly dominate any matchups, but like you're pretty much i'd say you're 50 50 against like most of the field in terms of you have like uh you have like cheap removal and stuff like that and you have a clock and treasure cruise is just a broken magic card so that can catch you up in a lot of games where you wouldn't have a chance otherwise i think without treasure cruise the deck just would not be playable at all so i think it's on a bit of a uh bit of a, a clock in terms of uh how long it, it gets to be around but i've been pretty happy with it apart from that i played the um I've been playing a bunch of leagues, been had pretty pretty medium results to be honest, mostly two threes and three twos as I as I learned the format and then a couple of four ones since then. And I went six three in the Pioneer Challenge with it yesterday, uh, and sadly finished just out of the money a uh, 39th place when top thirty-two got paid. Oh, hard luck. Good or no, Jesus. Yeah, it did top eight though. A Phoenix deck did top eight, but the build was quite different from mine. They were playing for lightning axe, I was playing zero. Uh, stuff like that so i might might try a different build or i might just try and move on to a different deck um uh, something like that it is a cheap option as well i think it cost me like 70 tickets to put it together or something like that compared to a lot of the decks in the format are super expensive so if you want to learn the format on magic online it's probably a, a cheap enough way to go to do that yeah definitely it seems like a sweet deck as well um yeah i i i have been, I have been playing on magic online all of my all of my at home magic time has been spent playing standard uh, for next week but i did play in a uh, Pioneer Paper Tournament. Uh, this was announced very shortly after the uh, Pioneer announcement. So it was quite short notice, so the turnout was quite low. 
Uh, this is in Gamers World. Uh, I and I, I just play. I, I just have to play with cards I already had. So I played a uh, yeah, Teamer Marvel. Um, basically, a Teamer, Teamer Marvel, the same way we would play with Ulamog, but uh, with Emrakul and some kind of a little bit of a Delirium package as well. Uh, I mean, I just the deck just felt so powerful in terms of just that. I suppose it's like you know we, we kind of saw the evolution of Marvel Marvel decks before. You know, the very first versions were playing like a thriving third turtle to you know maximize on all in on the energy. Then they kind of evolved into. Uh, a red, uh, red green mid range deck, kind of like Wolf here, kind of like what you're describing there, uh, with, with Iskran and stuff. That, you know, it's kind of like a, a deck that has a turn four I would button, and also it's just a strong mid range mid range deck as well. Um, so I suppose around that point, you know, right around that point, the deck's history, uh, Emrakul was banned. Uh, then it became a kind of a control deck with Ulamog. Uh, that's what you know, what likes what we would have played in a GP Amsterdam that time. So like we've never had. I'm, I, I was just going to confirm this, but we never had. I don't think we ever had uh, Rogue Fighter in. A deck with Marvel and Emrakul, but I think that's what's new now. Um, so I, I, it, it just feels like it just felt like a very very powerful mid range deck. I was also playing Emery. Uh, Emery is pretty insane for uh, just for for many yourself. Um, you can you can recast your recast your puzzle knots. You can recast your Marvel. Um, and then I was also playing Oko. So I was in the middle. Of, I was in the middle of one game where one played a Fracture uh, Cage on, on on turn one, and I was like, oh, this is this is pretty bad for me. Uh, and I, I was thinking, oh, I don't have any artifact hate my sideboard. Surely the person who designed this deck, I just took this, this list off, off from online. Surely the person who designed this deck should have accounted for the likes of Gratricus H. Uh, and then I drew Oko. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this, 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 this is why, why Oko's here. And this is absolutely <laughs> absurd. That this very, very powerful Planeswalker. <laughs> we discussed an eight downs, they're very powerful. Also, this happens to answer the uh, the the main hate for this deck on an entirely different axis. Um, so I think yeah, it's, it's a sick flavor. I think at this point I was like jumping with copters from Vertical Um, you no, know, they're like really far ahead, really big creature to stack each other, and I was jump locking with with, with copters because I'd load load energy. because uh, I, I lost energy kind of saved saved up because I didn't play the Marvel for my hand because a Graphics cage out. When I drew Oko, uh, I said, Oh well, I might as well play a Marvel just to try to get energy from all these topters and jump a bit. And my opponent laughed. Uh, and then so to the next turn, and I played Oko plus uh, on the uh, Graphics cage and. Uh, Tapped the Marvel for Emrakul. The game was over. So, so it's a it's a nice fun deck. Um, I kind of enjoyed playing the energy, energy again because it was it's obviously been a long time since I go play cards with energy on them. Uh, it was really kind of cool looking at your hand and uh, looking at your open hand and deciding all right which play do I make in turn two to allow me to have six energy by turn four turn five. Uh, so it's like you're kind of you're thinking like not only you're thinking of oh what would the horse say look like in a few turns you're also doing the math to realize to try to figure out how much energy you'll have in a few turns which is Something that I haven't done in my head you know, in a while, so it was a nice refreshing uh, look back into my um, into my past magic career by by doing that uh, on Friday night at FNM in Gamers World. Would you be happy playing the deck going forward? Do you think, or are you going to try something something else next week or I think, uh, the next tournament is? Yeah, so I suppose if I was, if I was playing this archetype again, I think I'd play a basal type because I suppose I, I I didn't come across any uh, Teferis, and I think Teferis obviously go quite far from itself. Also, just down. Just down, uh, just down Marvel. So I think playing something like Braska or Assassin's Trophy, uh, or even even Grizzly Salvage is that too is that too all in? Maybe that is too all in. But um, I think something like that. I I think Sultai gives you more than what Teamer gives you. Teamer gives you virtual, so it gives you uh, it gives you Harness Lightning, which Harness Lightning just kills every creature more or less. But so you can just have something like Assassin's Trophy to, to kill every creature even more or less. Well, yeah, I th- I think if you're trying to power out Ulamog specifically, uh, uh, I kind of. Uh, maybe a slightly safer way to do it is to play the mono green leyline of abundance decks at the moment, which have like a million mana dorks and 
like I've played against them multiple times and they've played like turn two Nissa against me and turn three Ulamog and stuff like that. That's with me killing one of their mana dorks and stuff. So that that might be a better way to do it at the moment. You don't get to play Emrakul like that though, really. Like, uh, but it yeah, is, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but this is how Spain did play Ulamog. It was just for Emrakul. Just for Emrakul, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's, you're playing a mid-range deck that has your fueling Emrakul um, this way. So it's like, even when people are hard-countered, uh, are, even when people add strong answers for Marvel, I was able to play out Rogue Finder, uh, uh, Ishkana, uh, Rogue Rogue and just eventually get there with Memorable. Um, but yeah, but the, I know the, the Green Leyline deck is a tiny different beast and it's uh, extremely powerful. Yeah, I think one of the good things about Soul Time Marvel would be you would have access to Thoughtseize. Uh, I think that would be a big deal. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be very good. But, Thoughtseize um, might just be the best card in the format. Like, it might just be better than the blue the blue draw spells honestly i don't think it needs to get banned because i think it's it's kind of one of the only things that's keeping absolute nonsense in check in the format but i think the power level is is really really high up there compared to what most other cards can do yeah definitely yeah yeah um i think it's just so many decks so many decks at the moment are also the best decks at the moment are kind of all in one strategy be it if it's vanifar or if it's if it's uh if it's marvel and yeah it's turbo toshi toshi is going to really get shut down down a lot of stuff yeah i think that that fact is really borne out by some of the results from the Pioneer Challenge. So we see like a lot of Sultai decks that are dominating. Sultai seems to be occupying the kind of the Jun spot in Pioneer. And that's largely due to things like Oko. Um, yeah, pretty pretty much just Oko, to be honest. And then like sideboard. It's it's Dig Through Time as well is, is a big part of it, I think. Yeah, but not all these Sultai decks have Dig Through Time. Really? Wow, that's wild. Um well, maybe some, maybe most of them do. Let me let me have a look here. Well, we, yeah, we've got two in the first place list. Uh, yeah, okay, maybe they do. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty good card. It's a very good card. Yes, uh, I have not gone through all of them, but let's let's uh, let's do that. Let's go through at least the top eight here, and then if there's any other decks, we can maybe pick them out. Yeah, let's do it. I was in this challenge and was doing decently in the rankings for a while as well, so I actually played against a couple of these lists. I played against Oris, who won in first place, so I'll try to point that out if we go as we go and just say what I thought of their decks playing against them too. Yeah, so yeah, Sultai from Oris, as you say, as the as the first the first deck here, or ORS, I don't know how you say this person's name. Uh, but yeah, so Planeswalkers, A Planeswalkers, Liliana the Last Hope, Oko Thief of Crowns, uh, to Vraska, we've got Corsair Crufix, Gilded Goose, Jace Friends Prodigy, one Tireless Tracker, uh, Thought Seize, and then Removal Package, Abrupt Decay, Instant, uh, Assassin's Trophy, Drown in the Lock, interesting here. I guess that's pretty good at all stages of the game, or it gets very good as the game goes on because it allows you to deal with things like on the way down. Like the, you, like There's a lot of things that if they resolve it's a problem for you because they create immediate card advantage. So like something like Oko, for example, um, whereas Drown in the Lock allows you to have a flexible removal spell slash counter spell in this format. Yep, I think that card's great. Um, I think two is about the right number. Like it's, uh, it's, it's pretty excellent with Jace later on because by the time you flip your Jace, you know, your opponent's graveyard is presumably going to be pretty full as well. So, so you'll be able to, to take down pretty much whatever you want with that. Um, I, I like the mix of spells. I think four abrupt decay seems definitely like the way to go. Four fatal push. I gotta say, fatal push has been a lot better than I thought it would be in this format. I thought people would be playing two copies, but it seems like four is just the way to go. I think in Sultai specifically, food uh, from Oko gives you an extra way to get the revolt, which is nice for the fatal push. So that's kind of a big deal in making that card a lot better. 
food and clues as well from Tireless Tracker. Yeah, true. Very true. And I got to say, the, the one thing I don't like in this list is I don't think it uses Liliana the Last Hope that well because there's only 11 creatures. So it seems like you're mostly just using Liliana as like extra three mana planeswalkers that they have to have an answer for on the board. So it kind of, you know, if you have a Liliana and an Oko in play, it's like, how can they reasonably deal with both of them? Is that kind of the idea? Even though you're not often getting that much value from like a minus and Lily. Yeah, I mean, you do get stuff back. Like, getting a Jace Fringe Prodigy back can be very high value. Obviously, getting a Tireless Tracker back is extremely high value. And it is just similar to Oko, as you say, in the way that Liliana is a three-mana Planeswalker that pluses to protect herself. She doesn't have such an absurd amount of loyalty as Oko, but she is decreasing the 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 opposing creature's attack. Um, so I think, as you say, once you have both on the board, you're kind of in just this unassailable position. Even if you're turning their creature into a 3-3 and then giving it minus 2, minus 1 with Liliana, that's just really good. That is really good. Also, she fills up your graveyard for Dig Through Time, which isn't, isn't zero. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, and then, I think secretly, one of the best cards in this deck is Corsair of Crufix. Every time I played against that card in the challenge, it was an absolute nightmare to deal with, even when I was playing Arclight Phoenix, and it shouldn't be a big deal. Just the card advantage and the life gain alone. I mean, anyone who played standard when Corsair was around knows this, but the, the card is just absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's one of the strongest tools that uh, that black green decks have. Yeah, and I think I'm glad that fetch lands aren't really in the format as well, because fetch lands with Corsair are insane. Like being able to see your next draw and then decide to shuffle it away is nuts. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised to not see any Fabled Passage in this list because, again, it fills your fills your graveyard for Dig Through Time and it works well with Corsair, but maybe it's just... And it's good with Tireless Tracker, but maybe it's just too slow and you just want to be more streamlined. This one does have Fabled Passage. Oh, sorry, it does four. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. I'm a genius. Figured it out. Yeah, I think Fabled Passage is is a slam dunk in these type of lists. Like, like as you said, uh, fills the yard for Dig Through Time, uh, can shuffle with Corsair like as I said that fetch line interaction does happen if you have a Fable Passage um, turns on Fatal Push turns on Fatal Push fills up the graveyard for Jace man it's just an all-star yeah yeah absolutely. Grounded Luck yeah well, mm, doesn't work with Grounded Luck oh no it's the opponent's right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anti-synergy if your opponent's playing it <laughs> then, yeah. yes true yes uh, now I gotta say uh, looking at this list um, I guess we go through the sideboard quickly it's a bunch of counter spells and veil of summers and pithing needles <laughs> and graveyard hate basically uh but i just wanted to contrast it quickly rather than go through the lists uh uh maybe for second third just uh contrast this with aspiring spikes list in third place he was also playing a very very similar deck but i gotta say i really prefer his list even though he didn't win so yep. the differences are right. he had two kalatas trader of get in the main he had three scavenging ooze in the main uh, and he had a different mix of spells. So he was playing Heroes All. He had an extra dig through time. He was playing a couple of opts. Um, yeah, so I, I just I thought this list looked way, way stronger to me. Not playing any Liliana uh, in the 75, which is quite interesting. But I just thought the, the main deck Kalitas and the main deck Scavenging Ooze are really, really nice. And that's probably the place I would want to start if I played this deck. I just think those cards, the power level is really there. Having main deck Graveyard Hate is really sweet with, with Kalitas. So I don't know, what do you guys think of the, the two decks and the difference between them? Also, Aspiring Spike would stream the entire challenge uh, without delay, without hiding his hand or anything like that. 
that guy's just a monster. He's been like, he, he top eights one of these challenges every weekend. And I got to say, he, one of the best streams I've watched in the last while in terms of uh, being educational and just being a super, super good player and, and going through all his plays on a stream. I, I would really advise you check his stream out. Sweet. Um, yeah, as you say, I, I also really like this one. Like, like like you said, the last list just wasn't maximizing Liliana. So why not just cut it and get more of the stuff that you want? Um, I was going to say the opt looks a little bit out of place here to me. Um, not sure what it's doing exactly, but I guess it does allow you to play a slightly lower land count. And it, it's also good with Corsair of Crufix, again, if you know your top. Yeah. So I like it because it gets a card in your graveyard for Jace. It's a nice card that you can just always flash back with Jace the turn you flip it and just get a little bit of advantage when there might not be anything else to do on the board. And it just fills up your graveyard for dig through time. Yeah, all, all good arguments. We see the same mix yeah, of Abrupt Decay and an Assassin's Trophy here. Four, four Decay, one Trophy. What What's the thinking behind that, do you think? Abrupt Decay is just a superstar. I think it's just like the best removal in the format, probably. Um, it's just really efficient. Like I, I definitely think four is the place you want to be. In terms of one Assassin's Trophy, I'm not really sure. You probably just want to have an out to like just an extra out to like combo shenanigans and stuff like that you know what i mean like it's not really a card you want to cast when you're playing a kind of mid-rangey value deck like this you don't really want to give your opponent that that extra ramp but it's just nice to have an extra catch-all i guess that you can find with dig through time yeah 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 i think it makes sense in that context because you have so many answers you have you have enough answers so you're not you're not leaning on the trophy too hard to answer Futures planeswalkers, but yes, having one off, like you're saying, yet to find in case there's something crazy you need to answer, like an enchantment or an artifact. Uh, yeah, dig through time lets you lets you go a lot further with these one offs in your deck than you otherwise would be able to. I, I will say that. And also, uh, one thing I think is interesting is these decks playing Heroes Downfall over Murderous Rider. Uh, which makes sense for a couple of reasons. One, Hero's Downfall doesn't go to the graveyard, so it doesn't work with Jace as well, and also it doesn't fill up your graveyard for the the Delve-type spells for Dig Through Time and, and stuff like that. So I think Hero's Downfall is a smart choice over Murderous Rider. Like, the 2-3 body doesn't really do much for you, and, and being able to flash it back with Jace is a big deal. Yeah, your deck is just such good value anyway that you don't really need the, the value on that particular spell. And then if you ever do play against like a, a burn deck it's probably a liability there right yeah the two life definitely matters there yeah. although good luck to the burn deck trying to beat you with your three coarser acrofix <laughs> i'll say that and scavenger used to gain a bit of life as well and kalitas this card just has a lot of life gain in the main which is a oh, nice so thing to think about when you have thought sees too you do need to mitigate that a little bit yeah yeah and Oko. i think almost every every threat in this deck gains life pretty sick yeah, that's yeah, it's awesome. I, I love this list, I gotta say. I, I much prefer it to the first place list. Yeah. All right, and then in second place, and we'll be able to compare this one as well because we do have another deck similar to this in here, we have a Namor Squats with a uh, Phoenix list. So this is a bit different from the Phoenix list that you were playing, as you said, Kieran. Um, this one has Lightning Axe. You have not had Lightning Axe. Fiery Temper, I don't know if you've had that. And it has a couple of Merchant of the Veil which I floated to you as a thought and you said you didn't like it. And then a couple of strategic yep. planning. So. Yeah, so I'm playing the strategic planning. I'm playing the fiery temper. Basically, the differences are I don't have any lightning axe. And then I was playing a couple of Boral in the deck as well. It's minus of the Veil, uh, minus lightning axe. The other four cards are I was playing four Thrill of Possibility as well, just to have extra, extra velocity, uh, which I think is really important. If you're playing Boral, you just want to have... 
Uh, the the list I uh, I was playing was started from Ryan Overturf's list, uh, which he posted on Twitter, which I think is a good place to go. But basically, if you have Boral in your deck, you just want as many of those um, ways to enable these one mana discard draw two spells as you can, just just to be fast. So this is kind of a more mid rangey version with Lightning Axe and stuff like that, which I think is fine too. It's just different to played. And then the only other difference in the main was uh, this player uh, Namor Squats has minus two Sulfur Falls and minus two Fable Passage and is playing plus four Sheevan Reef in the mana base instead. Mm. Which I'm not sure if I like too much. Fable Passage was never a problem for me. Although if you have four Lightning Axe and two Merchant of the Veil as four extra one mana spells yeah, maybe you don't want to play any Fable Passage. And Always having the untapped mana with Shivan Reef is probably worth it there, I would say. Although it does slow down your treasure cruises a little bit, but maybe matter. I would want to see some Thought Knots here in the sideboard to take full advantage of this Shivan Reef. Oh, I love it. No. I was, I was going to say the same thing, but I was like, that's too stupid of a joke to me. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's true, it's Shapers and Masters. But... Yeah, yeah, and then in, in terms of the sideboard, um, we, we discussed this off mic, but I decided to play Chandra Torture Defiance in my sideboard. Uh, two copies. This player also did the same thing. Chandra, I at the start of the tournament, I hated it. I thought it was useless. Uh, I wasn't bringing it in for the first five rounds. I was like, why did I waste my sideboard slots? And then I played against a couple of black, green, and control decks in a row, and it was a superstar. So I do like Chandra in the, in the sideboard of this deck. Um, this player is also playing three the Royal Scions in the sideboard, which is a card I briefly considered, but then decided not to play. It must have, must have been pretty good, I guess, if they top aided. I, I'm not sure what matchups you want to bring that in, where it's good, but there you go. That's it. That's that's one other difference between our decks. I mean, it's it's another Planeswalker that just has massive loyalty to start with, and then it's also pretty good. Like, sometimes you run into problems in a deck like this if you've got a thing in the ice going, and it flips, and maybe the opponent can jump block. Then the Royal Scions means that there's no no jump blocking happening at all. Uh, you're able to trample on, trample on through with your thing in the ice. Um, one fraud true. sideboard here, and no, no rending volley. Did you have any rending volley or fry in your sideboard? I had three fry and no rending volley. Uh, didn't really consider rending volley at all. To be honest, fry was was absolutely awesome. Uh, Narset is the best card against your deck, uh, and fry just deals with it neatly. So I think you just need it for that reason alone. That that was my main reason for playing so many. Mm. See, I I think rending volley is probably just better than fry um just at one mana and they both can't be countered so i mean i i just, mm, but like that doesn't kill narset and it doesn't kill planeswalkers sure i know yeah it doesn't kill planeswalkers that's true but i mean fry doesn't doesn't kill um doesn't kill oko anyway sometimes uh most of the time but uh, neither of them kills oko so ah uh? i mean neither one kills oko sure yeah that's fine yeah uh but i i rending volley is just in my head because of because of the sahili combo it kills Felidar Guardian. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I was playing, I can't remember which deck it was. It was either Grixis Dragons or Jeskai Tempo. And I had it in the sideboard. It was Grixis Dragons. Yeah, I had Rending Volley and Fry. I had three Rending Volley, three Fry. And uh, they were good. In fairness, I did play against Mono Blue. So both were good. Yeah. Like, I think the extra one damage against... Well, sorry, I keep getting confused and thinking Red Rending Volley kills Planeswalkers. You just need to kill Narset. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, oftentimes they'll play Narset and just not even minus it and just leave it on five loyalty against your deck. Yeah. So you just need a way to deal with that because it essentially just turns your whole deck off. Sure, yeah. 
Uh, any thoughts for like maybe improbable alliance as either a main deck or a sideboard card? Like any of those, any of those draw two payoffs from Eldraine? Um, didn't consider them to be honest. I think like the threats you have in the main are pretty much as efficient as you want to get in terms of in terms of doing all that draw two stuff. And like if I'm switching to a sideboard plan, I kind of like it to be something that like dodges those hate cards like Narsa, you know what I mean? So that's why I like Chandra against the control decks was that it's just something I can slam. And even if they have a Narsa in play or whatever, it, it doesn't really affect me that much. Yeah. So it is something you could consider. I'd say it's probably, if you want to try it, it's probably, I'd say try it on the main deck, see how it is. Okay. Um, then in seventh place, just to contrast as we're on the on the topic, we have uh, so, the player uh, Sora1248, who was also on... Is it Phoenix? Slightly different build here. We have this, pretty much the same creature package, but with two Crackling Drake. I know that's something that you were on initially. I don't know if that, that's changed or not. Yeah, I, don't, I wasn't playing any Crackling Drake in the 75 for the, the challenge. I just just wasn't a big fan of it. It's just like four mana in, is so much to drop, just a sorcery speed thing. And like usually the extra card, I feel like doesn't matter that much at at that point in the game, I just I just didn't feel like it, it impacted the game all that much. Although it's certainly better if you're playing Royal Scions uh, in the main to give it give a trample as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this player did have one Royal Scions in the main and none in the sideboard. Strangely enough, this is a very strange list. One entrancing melody in the main as well. What's that about? I tell you, the strangest number: three treasure crews. Yeah, people were doing that at the start, and I was like, "No, guys, come on! You want the first one in your hands so badly." And like multiples are not a problem because you win the game when you resolve the second one. It doesn't matter that you have a third one sitting in in your hand. Like you've cast two ancestrals by yeah. that point. Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. What, what interesting melody kind of strikes me is something decks like this do when the mirror becomes you know becomes very ubiquitous. It's like a single card to break the mirror. But um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're expecting to see many many more cracking drakes on your side of the battlefield or things in the ice. I mean, it's good, like, yeah, so it's fine against Thing in the Ice. It's good against Mana Dork decks, I guess, right? You steal their steal their Llanowar Elves or whatever. I don't know. It's good against, like, I would bring in Entrancing Melody against, like, the Red Prowess decks as well. Stealing their Swift Spear or their Soulscar Mage is pretty strong. But, like, so maybe it was against that. Maybe that's what they were thinking. But I just don't, I just don't really get it. It's good against, like, I don't know, Kills Ballista and stuff as well, if you think that's going to be everywhere. But if, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't really get it. And then we have Chandra in the sideboard, but it's Chandra Awakened Inferno. Yeah, so this this player is playing two extra lands compared to uh, my list and and the second place list, twenty two lands rather than twenty. So it's going to be a little bit easier to to get to six mana for Chandra in the list I was playing. I I don't know. I I, I don't really see it being that good. It's, it's just very very expensive. It's going to sit in your hand. Uh, obviously, you can discard it, but like. Maybe it's better than the four mana Chandra for the control matchups. I don't know. And the black green matchups. Maybe it's something I should consider. It just seems very, very expensive. Well, I think maybe having both in your sideboard could be a consideration. Maybe a couple of four mana Chandra and one of this because four mana Chandra helps you ramp into it. So Very true. Honestly, I could see that if you're playing against like a deck with a lot of hate, like rest in peace and stuff like that. You might even just want to board out all your Phoenixes and just bring in four Chandras or something. Yeah, it seems all right. Did you yes. ever? Did you ever proactively board out like treasure crews in the anticipation of of hate? I know a lot of people's like, no. favorite hate is Graft Digger's Cage, but I guess uh, Graft Digger's Cage does nothing against Phoenix. So no, you never. Yeah, there was a there was a fair bit of um of rest in peace and stuff running around. No, I would just I just 
I basically brought in two Brazen Borrower from the sideboard in like every matchup, just in anticipation of the hate, and you just have a bounce spell then. Yeah, that's but a- that was more for the Phoenixes, you know, to try and get a good Phoenix turn off. Yeah. But no, honestly, they, that did happen, but I just, there were a couple of games where that happened and I just cast a treasure cruise for eight because the match went so long. So <laughs> it was like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. Yep. All right. Moving on to the uh, fourth place list, uh, Fanatic with two T's, uh, mono blue. So very similar to the standard mono blue um, that we had, what was it, last season now or two seasons ago? I'm not sure. Uh, before yeah. Asian, anyway. But, uh, some upgrades. It's kind of a merfolk deck, and I guess the main, the, the the biggest things that it gets are Tassa and Master of Waves as the blue devotion package, and then it also gets Smuggler's Copter, which is obviously just a very good threat. And Tassa, along with Tempest Gin, obviously is just insane. Um, yep. That's so much devotion. You, you only need one more thing there to, to have Tassa already turned on as a creature. And uh, Tassa's activated ability of, you know, in case people have not read Tassa in some time, it's uh, Tassa God of the Sea, two in the blue, enchantment creature God. It's 5-5 five, five, indestructible. And if your devotion to blue is less than five, it's not a creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, you get to scry one, and you can pay one in the blue t- uh, to have target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. So, so Tassa is pretty insane for this type of strategy because you do still have your stupid beaters on the ground, such as Merfolk Trickster and Harbinger of the Tides. Nice pickup. Um, so to get those through, sometimes you need to activate your Tassa. Um, yeah, this deck just seems very strong. It's it's like uh, you look at the you look at the deck list here, and it's like four of everything except for twenty island, and then it has four mute vault as well. Yeah, this deck's good. I think Master of Waves is very strong. I think a lot of decks just can't deal with it. I definitely, it's really really good against the Phoenix deck. You basically have no way to deal with it unless you're playing like Entrancing Melody or something like that to steal it and kill the elementals. Um, I think it's just a, just a pretty good deck. I'm not so sure about. I don't know how strong like Thassa is, but obviously you want to play it if you're playing this deck. It's, it just kind of it just slots in there. Quench four Quench is the only instance in the deck. Really show you how weak the counter spell options are in this format. If that's the best a fish deck can do, is <laughs> like worse mana leak. That's that's pretty sad. Um, and then the other thing is the sideboard options are obviously very weak for a mono blue deck. We have four negate, four spells pierce, three spyglass, four tidebinder mage. So I'm surprised we don't see like aether gust. I guess tidebinder mage is, it was just considered a, a better option here. But it looks like a very strong game one deck. I'll give it that. Yeah, honestly, I I feel like when like there's no mystical dispute anywhere here. I feel like mystical dispute should be slam dunk in the sideboard here. But uh, I would nearly just put spell pierce main over quench. Yeah, I hate Quench. I know people play it in standard, but like, I just don't think it's a real magic card. It's it's poop. Yeah, I, I imagine people would play Spellpierce uh, over Quench in standard if Spellpierce was in standard. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you just prefer like unsubstantiate? Yeah, just put this. Yeah, actually, I think so. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, because you're you're you just want to counter once, get through. You know, you're you're not aggressive. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, like you you were saying the other day, you were looking for remand, and unsubstantiate is. A crappy remand, but it's good enough if you win the turn, win the game the next turn. Yeah, I guess the deck. But I think yeah, does have break. I think everyone knows what this deck does, right? It's like, is there much to say about this this list? It's just no. a load of blue dudes. Yeah, it, it has Brazen Borrower as well, which is also obviously very good and adds adds a fair bit of devotion for Tassa. Um, and it's an answer to any kind of permanent. So I I feel like this deck is probably good versus like the fast combo decks because of things like Quench and Brazen Borrower. Um. 
and a lot of the combo that's going on is at least partially creature based in the format as well so like having the bounces and stuff is is pretty decent against them yeah you bounce a bounce either sahili or felder guardian you're good to go oh yeah lovely all right so moving on to mental misstep in fifth place so when i dropped out of the tournament i was also playing blue white spirits didn't go very well uh <laughs> I dropped out at two three, and mental misstep was uh, in the at the top of the leaderboard or the at the top of the um, standings for the tournament at that point. And uh, mental misstep has also been absolutely crushing the league's trophy leaderboard, uh, number one, uh, I think six trophies, something like that. And yeah, they have been playing a Sahili combo deck, and it is a four color Sahili combo deck. It's got it's heavily planeswalker based, so Oko. Oko is a broco, so you know mm-hmm. you gotta play it. You have you have the colors there for you. So um, you know, the deck also has four Oath of Nissa, so Planeswalkers should be relatively easy to cast. So yeah, four Oko, four Sahili, and four Teferi Time Raveler, which obviously is crucial for this deck because once you have that in play, you can very safely go for your combo on your own turn, and nothing bad can happen. This deck also has a Brazen Borrower. I guess that's just a interaction there so you're not cold to mirrors and things like that uh elvish mystic felder guardian of course gilded goose lanoir elves a couple of reflector mage rogue refiner one once upon a time a couple of wild slash more interaction a couple of heart of kieran to be honest i I feel like i would like to see more heart of kieran in in a list like this because you just have all these planeswalkers and they all have absurdly high loyalty so uh why not just take advantage of that and protect them really easily with Heart of Kieran. Yeah, I think like Teferi and Heart of Kieran just makes makes it absolutely absurd that your opponent can't destroy it at all with creature removal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's bananas. Just... Look at the numbers on this list. One Brazen Borrower, three Elvish Mystic, two Lanor Elves, two Reflector Mage, two Rogue Refiner, one Once Upon a Time, two Heart of Kieran. It's like this is like this is someone who has been playing the shit out of this deck and has arrived at these numbers after like a lot of reps, I feel like. I feel like the Elvish Mystic and Lanor Elves numbers should be reversed. Just because you you prefer Lanor Elves. Yes. <laughs> well, you get more. You get more Elves. You get multiple Elves for your for your mana. Right. So it's gonna be better. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's just it, this deck does look very tuned. It's a bit confusing to me. I'm I'm like, is is one once upon a time? How do you get to that number? I'm I'm very interested in that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a funny one. And the two Rogue Refiner is also kind of a kind of an outlier there bit odd <laughs> like, yeah two reflector mage two rogue refiner it's very interesting yeah the rogue refiner i was going to say there's no use for the energy but there actually is ether hub in the mana base so that's something mm. i guess like you already have uh 12 turn three plays so maybe that's why you don't you're not playing the full four rogue refiner yeah yeah i mean obviously yeah, you just want to drop a planeswalker i guess yeah yeah it's just something that is like a very a very good rate card to do like playing a, a three-two and draw a card and power up your mana base is just really good. Um, yeah. you no, know, rogue Refiner. There's not really, there's not really that much to do with Felder Guardian in terms of your creatures. Like two Reflector Mage, two Rogue Refiner. You can make a food by flickering your goose. But that's about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's maybe not maximizing Felder Guardian as much as the other other versions are. But like, yeah, Rogue Refiner. Yeah, flick, flicker. You, you can, you can... Those two is very good. Flickering your Oath of Nyssa, as we saw in Standard, is very good. And your Planeswalkers also, double activations. Yeah, it seems, it seems like there's just enough. And then 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, this guy is, is crushing it with this deck, I guess. So it's. I feel like you have to play this to really get a feel for this list. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I can't really tell what I think of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I would be interested in playing some games with this list. Unfortunately, Oko is uh, pricing me out. Yeah, it's like 100 bucks or something for a moto copy at the moment. Yeah. Dear God. Uh, in the sideboard, Eidolon of Rhetoric is the only kind of unusual card. What do you think that's for? Is that for like Phoenix decks? Guess guy ascendancy, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Surge of Righteousness. That's not a card I'm too familiar with. Oh, standard. All-star. What was this used against in standard? I know. I remember this was this was a big deal. Steve Rhino. I don't know. Tarka. Tarka Red. Like a Tarka or maybe like Thunderbreak Regent or Colligan or something. I definitely, some of my Colligans died to this spell. <laughs> um yeah, very cool deck. Um, Sorcerer's Spyglass in the side as well can be reset by Feldar Guardian. That's an interesting little thing. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Knight of Autumn, you can yeah. pick your boats. Mm hmm. Oh, very nice. Uh, Flicker your rest in peace to exile the graveyard again, even though there's nothing in it anymore. <laughs> you never know. Uh, sixth place is also a Sahili Rai deck. A bit different mix here. So this player, Baron von Fonts. Um, Stronger energy package here is the first thing that I notice off the bat. So we've got four full four Rogue Refiner, four Tune with Ether, three Harness Lightning, and then four Ether Hubs in the mana base. Uh, so four Tune with Ether, four Oath of Nyssa means that your and four Gilded Goose means that your mana is just going to be fantastic. I think um, three Lanowar Elves, so fewer and a mana confluence and a mana confluence. Yeah, so f fewer f fewer <laughs> fewer fewer. Um, Mana dorks overall, but not that many fewer. And uh, yeah, just a, a better mix of mana fixing and better use of energy in this deck. Only two Oko and one Tamio. Don't know how I feel about Tamio. Not 100% sure what the point is. Like, Tamio is very good. She can help you fetch part of your combo, like whichever part you're missing. Um, that does obviously telegraph it to the opponent, but. Yeah, it just it, it helps you get them back later too. It kind of makes your combo more resilient. Stops you getting pot seized. Sure. It's interesting. As a one-of, I'm like, yeah, make sure I can see it. Yeah. I feel like, like going back to Mental Incepts, this is like, that's such a, it feels like such a resilient kind of, um, this is just a resilient plan for someone to don't see in a plan anyway, that there's no need for something like, uh, some, no, no need for something like Cameo. And it's strange that this list is leaning hev more, leaning more heavily into into the energy package. So it probably is playing like a more reliable mid-range shame as well. Uh, that is there a need for, for Cameo to find your combo. Yeah, I don't think so. And you don't really have a good way to find the Tamio either. I mean, apart from the Oath and Nessus, you can find it with that. Yeah, it does also yeah. have a really high loyalty for Hard Kieran as well. Yeah, I think like... So I think why the, the, the four Okos is so good is it kind of turns you into a twin deck by itself, right? Where Oko is just a really hard card that they have to deal with, but they absolutely have to deal with it. And that might just run them low enough on resources or mana or whatever, or time that you can just combo them out. So I much prefer Mental Missteps list having four Oko to this one having two. I feel like that's just such a must-deal-with threat that it really enables you to uh, to get your combo off more often, I would think. Mm. Yeah. Here in the sideboard, though, I am pretty impressed by this player's sideboard. So there's another Tamio. There's a Nahiri, which I guess, when it's on the board, can get you your... You can get Feller Guardian. <laughs> um, I don't know what else. It's really fetching from your deck, so I'm not 100% sure about the Nahiri. But three Spell Pierce and three Veil of Summer, I do like interaction there for other combo decks and to protect your own combo. Three Arashian Cleric instead of Surge of Righteousness. This was used in Standard as well. 
as a sideboard card, pretty good. I feel like you have Charming Prince, right? Why would you play this card? Yeah, Charming Prince. Just for the stats. Right. Um, Charming Prince scries to to find your combo just seems way bad. And you can, like, it's an extra blink for your, like, you can blink a rope refiner or whatever with the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's very good. Some Reflector Mages, which the other deck had in the sideboard. But then the thing that I really like, and I would like to see probably a lot of... Um, a lot of these Sahili decks picking this up is Tireless Tracker. So it, it allows you to do that thing that you said with Oko, which is kind of play a slightly different, like a, a good solid mid-range game uh, that the opponent has to deal with. And then you're like, w- once they're kind of occupied dealing with that, you would just have so much more time to eventually find the combo. Or if the opponent has over-sideboarded to respect the combo, then uh, Tireless Tracker maybe gets you some good value. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think- the old versions before in standard play to Tireless Tracker, maybe even in the main for whatever you know, reasons that you're, you're stretching their stretching their answers is something they have to answer. Yeah, they did. That's that's why I like it. That's for the best. Eight, the eighth place list is also Is It Phoenix. Sorry, I didn't notice that when we were talking about the other ones, but uh, oh, yeah. pretty similar here. The only difference over the only difference from Aspiring Spikes, no, not Aspiring Spike. Um, Nammer Squats, the second place list, is... Uh, two thing in the ice. Yeah, two Jesus. in the ice, which... don't know if I can get behind that, but the replacement is two Jace Friends Prodigy. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> I don't understand this at all. Thing in the ice is, like... It's it's honestly more important than Phoenix, like, early on in the game. And, like, it just this just turns your deck on to, like, getting opened up by Wild Slash on your two-drop, you know, which they can't do with, uh, with Thing in the Ice and stuff. I don't understand why you would play that card at all well honestly i, I like jace friend's prodigy but i don't like it replacing two thing in the ice mm, i don't really like either one to be honest i mean i might replace like the merchant of the veil or something i guess that's yeah cool. yeah or maybe and is it one is a charm and one maybe one is a charm one merchant of the veil replaced with a couple of jace or something like that like jace obviously is just a very good value card that can help you dig through your deck because obviously you, you'll be you should be flipping it very fast in this kind of deck and um, and then once it's flipped, it helps you flashback all those spells and and churn through your deck to get more more Phoenix, more thing in the ice. So I do like it in the archetype, but maybe yeah, I definitely can't get behind replacing thing in the ice with Chase. Uh, thing in the ice is like literally the only way you can ever beat the uh, green uh, Leyline of Abundance decks. You just bounce their whole board after they play Anissa and all these mana dorks and stuff by turn three. It's just, it, you always want it to be your turn two play. Like, if you had a Jace in your hand and a Thing in the Ice in your hand, I would still want to play the Thing in the Ice. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to have a quick look at anything else. And I'm noticing 10th place here, pretty sweet. Mono Black Vampires from Clyde the, Gr- Clyde the Glide Drexler, which is, this isn't actually a deck I'd seen before until just seeing this list just now. Yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah. It's kind of a by-the-numbers vampire deck, though. It's like nothing really unexpected in here. The only thing that is like, oh, of course, is a Grey Merchant of Asphodel, because you you actually have fairly strong devotion to black in this deck. There's a lot of double black costs. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of all the best vampires in in Pioneer smushed together. Um, Sor and Imperious Bloodlord really ties the room together. And then of course you you get access to Thoughtseize and Fatal Push, so premier interaction. We got a standard non superstar Blight Beetle in the sideboard. Oh, oh, what's that against? No idea, to be honest. <laughs> Nissa? Heroic? No. Heroic? I don't know. It doesn't work against Nissa, actually. Um, 
like like a Boros heroic. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this player thought it worked against Sissa, and then in the middle of the game realized it didn't, and then couldn't change it. Maybe, maybe. Leyline of How about that? Which is Vengeance? What what tribal deck did they expect to play against? <laughs> I was going to say the mirror, but it doesn't really work in the mirror. Elementals kill all the Nissalons? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Grasp of Darkness. Oh my god. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we have Sandy Dog MTG in 17th place with our first mono red list. Um, pretty standard, just mono red prowess. We have four Gitu Lava Runner, four Swift Spear, four Soulscar Mage, four Eidolon, four Bomac Courier, one Hazaret, uh, four Copter. And then the burn spells you would expect for and for light up the stage. And one castle Embereth for Ramanap Ruins, 14 mens. So pretty streamlined mono red deck, pretty much what you would expect. Sandy Dog MTG always repping the aggro decks. So I'm not surprised to see he did well with that. Yeah, that's uh, pretty sweet. Uh some of the first decks that I tried in the format were uh mono red. Um obviously it's a natural place to start. And the version that I was playing was more kind of creature based. Um so I had something that looked a little bit closer to the standard deck. I had like Monastery Swift Spear, Soulscar Mage, of course, uh, the, the Burn Package, but then I also had Searing Blood and Goblin Chain Whirler and a Rampaging Frostodon in the main and then some more in the sideboard because they're obviously good against the uh, cat combo. Um, and then I had a Go Big sideboard with an extra land, uh, Glorybringer, Chandra's, uh, Chandra Torch of Defiance, again, similar to how it was built in standard. And then it got like Smash to Smithereens, Chandra's Defeat, Roast as well in the sideboard. I also had uh, the Desert Package in the main, including all four Rabinap Ruins, but also two Sun Scorched Desert because I felt like I was on like I was on twenty one lands. I felt like that was acceptable ish. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Probably not actually with Goblin Chain World in the deck. Um, you would probably want to be on twenty twenty one red sources or twenty two red sources, right? With Goblin Chain World in the deck, is that right? I would want twenty two. I think. Uh... Yeah, I think it works out to be twenty two. I have nineteen red source in the deck. So yeah. Um, maybe cut some of those sunscorched sunscorched deserts but they did win me some games like having two deserts to sack and also the interaction between sunscorched desert and light up the stage is extremely favorable of course yeah it's great it's pretty great yeah uh cool deck here in 22nd place we have kiporioth with a blue white flicker desk uh, flicker deck uh splashing for saheli rai for the combo so we have four Charming Prince, three Cloud Blazer, three Elite Guard Mage, four Felidar Guardian, three Reflector Mage, four Thraybid Inspector, four Tithe Taker, three Deafening Clarion, interesting, two Dusk Till Dawn, which is sweet, and two Detention Sphere, and then just normal Jeskai Lands and four Saheli Roy. That's pretty cool. That is sweet. Yes. What's happening with the uh, like, Clarion? Huh? What, what's happening with the Deafening Clarion? I'm so confused. Uh, I don't know. Gives gives all your guys lifelink. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's bizarre. I don't know why that's there. I mean, I'm into the rest of the deck. Instead of deafening Clarion, I think I would like to see like God's Willing or um, Declaration in Stone, Dovin's Veto. We have those in the sideboard, actually. Almost all of what I just named. Three Panharmonicon in the sideboard. I love it. Oh my god! What? <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, what do you? What do you get there? You get double clues with Thraben Inspector, you get double bounce with Reflector Mage. Double Cloud Blazer, double Elite Guard Mage. Uh, double Feldar Guardian, double Charming Prince. Yeah, it's pretty good. Where where do you bring that in though? 
Like I don't know against like mid range, I guess. Board at the combo and just bring in panharmonicons. Yeah, man. You just yeah. I'm just thinking like, what matchup do you sit there and go? You know what I really need here? Panharmonicon. Yeah, uh, I'd be like every matchup. That's my problem. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we have mentioned the the mono green ramp deck a couple of times. So maybe we should talk through that. Uh, here in in twenty first sure. place, we have the player Zikiri. Zikiri and they have a good example. So this is a deck that kind of abuses Leyline of Abundance and Nissa who shakes the world to just generate an absolute ton of mana. Um, so yeah, four Leyline of Abundance, four out the Nissa, four Once Upon a Time. Then we have Nissa who shakes the world and Oko because a lot of them are a lot of these decks are kind of going into green blue now for uh, for Oko and Hydroid Crisis as well as obviously an insane ramp payoff. This this one also has Nissa Seward of Elements, which is a great ramp payoff as well. Because you can cast her for, yeah, she's an X cost planeswalker uh, from Amonkhet, so you can cast her for an absurd amount of loyalty, and then use the the minus six straight away. You can make uh, five five elementals that they get, they get flying. Yeah, they get flying in haste, so you can hit for ten out of nowhere with the Nissa Steward developments if you have a lot of mana. Um, creature base uh, full eight elves. Pelucranos, obviously, if you can pay the monstrosity, it's insane. Uh, one questing beast, don't know how I feel about that. And walking ballista is obviously pretty insane in this type of strategy as well, because you just make a massive walking ballista, ping your opponent to death. Some versions of this are also playing um, Karn, Karn the Great Creator, and then the ballista is in the sideboard, so you can go and fetch it. But uh, this, yeah, a lot of the versions just playing Lumog as well as your payoff. Yeah, obviously, pretty. Yeah, Ramp to ten mana in in these bills. And sorry, the the other big mana generator that I didn't mention is uh, Nyctos because you generate a lot yeah. of um, devotion to green. It's ridiculous because you already start with a free two devotion to green in play because of the ley line. So Nyctos just starts going off like turn two or turn three like every single time. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah, like if you play, if you put a, a ley line into play on turn zero, whatever, and then you play an Elvish Mystic. Then the next turn you play a Nyctos, you can already generate what what does that give you? <laughs> Quite a lot. Or if you if you just play like land into another Elvish Mystic, then you can play like a turn two Nissa, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Happened to me during the challenge. Yeah. Turn two Nissa into turn three Ulamog. Or no, sorry, turn three ballista for twenty. Oh. So that was cool. <laughs> God. Turn three ballista for twenty. Yeah. They had double mana dork on turn one. Mana Dork plus Nissa on turn two, then turn three, tap and untap their their land with Nissa. They just generate like absolutely ridiculous, and they had Nikto set as well. They just generated absolutely absurd amount of mana. Oh my! They 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 were able to generate like twenty four mana on turn three. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Holy crap! Uh... So how did they double Mana Dork turn one? No, sorry, uh, double. Sorry, uh, Mana Dork, Mana Dork, Mana Dork. I meant on... okay. Oh, so yeah, so yeah, one then two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the of abundance has your mana dorks tap for for two mana, right? For two. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. What I meant. yeah, yeah. Um, and then even even if they don't have a payoff in hand, the the leyline of abundance has the activated ability to just you know pump up your team and have a a very commanding board presence, even even without those those big spells like walking ballista or ulamog. I, I think this this deck honestly is extremely broken, and I would expect it to eat a ban in the first. In the first wave, like I, I know, like it yeah, actually is consistent as well because of the once upon a time and the eight one mana mana dorks. The only part of it, London, London Mulligan as well, is so good with the ley line. Yeah, say it again. 
the the London Mulligan is is like insane with this deck. Yes, yes, that, that's what I was going to say. Is that the only part that's not really consistent is having the ley line on turn zero. But then, yeah, that's that's mitigated somewhat by the London Mulligan. Um, even grabbing your own your Nyctos once upon a time and Oath of Nyssa help you do that fairly reliably. Yep. Yeah, I would expect something to get banned from this deck as well. There's just, like, I, I've lost to this deck on turn three after I've killed their Mana Dork on turn one with Wild Slash, you know what I mean? It just doesn't matter if they have another Mana Dork. Like, as soon as as soon as soon one Mana Dork survives for a turn, they just go absolutely ham. God. Yeah. Um, next interesting-looking deck to me, we have a Feather deck in 25th place from Bonkaruni, playing Dreadhorde Arcanist, Favorite Hoplite, uh, Feather the Redeemed, Monastery Swift Spear, and 10th District Legionnaire. So kind of a Boros Heroic Feather deck, like you would see in, see in Standard. But the upgrades that we've got, we've got um, Ordeal of Perforos, very interestingly. Um, a Jani's Presence, Favorite Hoplite, Teamer Battle Rage, and Titan Strength. Um, Titan Strength? Oh, Titan Strength has a, has a Scry one. I was going to say is Infuriate, not just better than Titan Strength, but it has Scry, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Feather deck is very good, uh, or was very good in the last standard, and then getting to take the best heroic cards from from that standard where there was already a good heroic deck is just kind of the dream. Like, when people saw Feather, they were like, oh, heroic is back, and uh, and it was, uh, but now it's back and in pog form. No, it's better. Um, what's, the, what's the white ordeal? Ordeal of... Um, What's that dude's name? The white Heliod. It's in the sideboard there. Ah, huh? oh Heliod. Okay, ordeal of Heliod. What does that do? Never attacks, but on it. It's like oh, you gain ten life. Okay, that's not that great. Um, I played against a mono white heroic list today with SRAM, which seems very good to me. Yeah, Pete, there was all this talk today about SRAM being broken today, uh, but I haven't seen the deck yet. Yeah, so it played like Laganamban Trailblazer and SRAM, obviously, and it plays all that glitters and Helm of the Gods, which is a, a equipment for Ooh. the Guardians, which is one mana, and then it's equipped for one mana, and it gives the creature plus one plus one for each enchantment you control. And I was there, I was playing the Insult Artifact deck, and I was there thinking I was great equipping my Ghostfire Blade for plus two, plus two. Then my opponent played Helm of the Gods and equipped it to their creature for like plus. 10 plus 10 or something like that i was like oh okay i had an 18 18 lifelink first strike attacking me so that wasn't good God. i see you played ghosty blady spoony before exactly uh we have a deck that's we have a boggles deck boggles deck in yes 27th place here as well from this player with a, a chinese name that i can't pronounce how how ching lang langu i don't know um uh, i yeah apologize for butchering the name uh, we've got Basara Tower Archer, which is green green for a 2-1 Hexproof Reach. Uh, we've got Glade Cover Scout, which obviously is part of the modern um, Bogles deck. Boros Charm, Once Upon a Time, for that, that sweet, sweet consistency. And then, yeah, we've got a bunch of good um, auras to stick on the creature. We've got Cartouche of Solidarity, Ethereal Armor, Griff's Boon, remember that card? Uh, the White um, Ranker. Madcap skills. So this deck is Naya. Uh, Madcap skills is decent. Gives menace plus three plus zero. Oh. Sentinel's mark gives vigilance, sixth sense, and unflinching courage, which I did not know unflinching courage was uh, was in Pioneer, but it is. Yeah, so I've played against this deck a few times in the leagues and stuff like that. Um, I 
I don't think it's that strong, to be honest, but it's certainly something you can do if you just want to want to pick up a cheap aggressive deck and start playing some leagues. It's I don't know, like it, it's I, I don't really get the appeal. Like obviously, hexproof is a good mechanic, but there are still ways to deal with this stuff, you know. Thing in the ice is obviously very good against them. Yes, thing in the ice inside. Yeah. There. Cool. Twenty uh, eighth place, we have a player called Min Cash. Very appropriate name here. Um, and Mono White, pretty interesting. Mono White has been strong at various points through the last like five years. So I think mashing mashing the best of all those decks together is probably going to be pretty successful. So everything in the deck here costs one mana except for Banalish Marshal, Knight of the White Orchid. Talia's Lieutenant, and Declaration in Stone. So, very, very low land count here. Uh, 18 lands. And uh, yeah, it just looks like a strong, aggressive deck. Maybe this is what uh, the player was thinking of when when they put Witch's Vengeance in their sideboard. Because um, a lot of knights... Kill all the humans. Yeah. They're all humans. Also, mostly knights and soldiers. Uh, yeah, they're all humans, actually. So, yeah, human. Yeah, I mean... Does what it says on the tin, right? Brave the Elements is a good card, probably underplayed. Um, it's not really currently played in any formats, but definitely pretty amazing in this deck. I mean, you got to be pretty fast, though. Is this is this deck fast enough to beat like a Supreme Verdict? Mm, probably on the play, certainly. Yeah, it does have Castle Ardenvale, so it has some amount of staying power. Maybe Legion's Landing would be a good card for this deck. It's not a human, so you don't get anything from Talia's Lieutenant. So maybe it's not good enough. I think it's just not a Jackal Pup is the problem. Just doesn't attack for two. Yeah, also true. I guess, although I guess neither does Thraven Inspector. Yeah, but Thraven Inspector is just so good. Yeah. Um. Also, no no Smuggler's Copter in this deck is maybe kind of egregious. Yeah, doesn't work with Brave the Elements, but otherwise I would imagine you would want it. Sure. You got to have a Spirit in the side for your field for, for deck for, for decks are playing uh, Supreme Verdict. Yeah, that's true. Thanks. Zero rest in peace in the sideboard is interesting. Yeah, four uh, four Atari of the console, so this player was obviously very concerned about being cat comboed. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I kind of don't think I would. Pre- I think I'd prefer to be mono red than mono white. Mono white at the moment in the format. Yeah, just have that extra interaction, and I think it probably goldfish is a bit faster. Yeah. Um, anything else interesting here in the remainder of the lists? There's a Jeskai Approach of the Second Sun deck. I'm into this. Planeswalker Control deck. We've got Narset, Teferi, both Teferis, Elspeth, Elixir of Immortality, Sphinx's Rev, Absorb. Yeah, I'm into it. Four Supreme Verdict is obviously the core of the deck. Yeah, so those painted some the paper turn or painted these uh, blue white uh, approach. And I guess those, during the game I realized that you know, they had they had Teferi Time Raveler out uh, when they cast Approach for the first time. And I just realized, like, oh my god, that is actually absurd and that the player knows approach is coming in so many turns uh, that even if they have a counter spell, they won't be able to counter it the second time it's cast. It's a pretty good uh, card to combo with Dig Through Time. Yeah, yeah. Only one, it's straight away. only one Dig Through Time in this list, though. Makes me a bit sad. Yeah, I feel like this is just the, the, the list of a player who just has always loved blue-white control and wants to play all the hits. Like, really, why are you playing Elixir of Immortality in this list? There's really, there's no need for it, right? No. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, that is your win condition. You have like a million win conditions already. They already have like eight Planeswalker win conditions, or like five Planeswalker win conditions. That's true. I'd rather Elixir be your only one. So, I mean, honestly, only way to play control. Honestly, Pioneer Blue Eye Control doesn't need to play like Approach of the Second Sun or whatever because you have to Fairy Hero of Dominaria in your list. You don't need other win conditions. Yeah, no. 
you should just be playing a bunch of dig through times. Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah. yeah. Also, two rest in peace on the sideboard. I don't get why these white players don't want to just jam as many of that card as possible in there. It's it's the best sideboard card in the format, probably. What what I want to know is what's going on with this one to fairy time raveler in the sideboard compared to two in the main deck. What's what's the story there? Yeah, I, I hate this list to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Also, one Sphinx's Rev. I don't know. Yeah, there's so many things yeah, I don't like. In this list. Lots going wrong. One yeah. Chemister's inside. Like what? Castle Ardenvale in the mana base. Come on. Oh, yeah, they're only playing. They're only playing one approach. It's like you know how backbreaking it is when someone casts approach one turn, then on the next turn they have the other one. Like this is incredibly yeah. tilting that I came 39th and this player came 31st. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we could just. Yeah, uh, uh, this 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 list needs serious work, in my opinion. And uh, but I I do think that like there's there's a few different decks in Pioneer, such as Mono Red, such as Blue White, um, such as the Cat Combo decks and Marvel that all have like a solid core. But there's maybe three or four different ways to build the deck that are very very viable. Um, so it's going to take a long time to sort out which ones are the best versions, or maybe if there are multiple versions that can be rotated between depending on uh depending on the metagame so i'm super interested in how these decks kind of develop and there are already like dedicated people working on archetypes in this format you know such as the same way we have in modern you know right there's specific subreddits for for modern archetypes you know there's the blue eye control subreddit or the current the current subreddit <laughs> tron subreddit um and I, I imagine that Pioneer is also going to kind of go that go that route. Yeah, just to, just speaking specifically about blue-white control, here's the problem with blue-white control, right? Why are you not playing a third color? If you play red, you can play Sahili combo. If you play green, you can play Oko. If you play black, you can play Totsies. Like, there's what's what's the payoff for just being straight blue-white? You know, it's it's just players who just want to be a blue-white player and go to the blue-white subreddit. That's what I think as well, actually, yeah. yeah. You really have a reason not to play third color, especially you, you just have a light splash for... Yeah, something like uh, combo. Yeah, no, you're you are totally right. I mean, it, it it's not nothing that the mana is a lot easier. Um, you're not going to be taking pain off your mana base nearly as much in a straight blue white deck, and you also have the ability to play Field of Ruin. So I I don't think it's nothing. Um, and I also don't think you need to play those third colors for those things, although they are very attractive. Um, I think Esper would probably be something that I would consider or I would be into, like as you said, Thoughtseize, but then. I don't know, maybe you also want the dragons at the top end, like Dra- Dragonlord Ojutai, but probably not, actually. Teferi's just better than Dragonlord Ojutai, right? Yeah, I, th- I think Asper is like a pretty reasonable place to be if you want to play a control deck at the moment. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's kind of all the notable lists from that top 32. That's a that's an extensive rundown. Yeah, I will say, yeah, we maybe didn't mean to go through so many, but it's a lot of fun on, the, on this new format. One thing to point out, we didn't see any Wilderness Reclamation, no Nexus of Fate decks. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see if that develops. I know uh, Matt Nass and BK, they were streaming Pioneer at the weekend, and their opinion is that uh, currently like Nexus, Wilderness Reclamation with Nexus is one of the best decks in the format and is being underplayed. And it did show up in the 5-0 list as well with, with 170 other decks, but uh, it didn't show up in the Challenge Top 32. Yeah, the the five O's were also posted today, and holy crap, there is a lot of five O decks. There's, uh, let me just count it up here again. I think did we already say it? I don't know. We said it when we were talking before the show. 136 in the five O's. Uh, so very very extensive. Wizards really wanted to 
like I don't know if they if they allow an algorithm to choose these X. I I think they probably do to an extent, but then curate it a little bit. Um, not sure too much. Uh, but they really wanted to give us a gift with this one because they showed off a lot of decks. And yeah, just three Nexus of Fate decks in these five O's. Um, and one of them is not a proper Nexus of Fate deck. It's just a, a blue white deck that has Nexus of Fate as another kind of win condition type of thing. Um, I did play against a Nexus of Fate deck today that had a, um, it was a Sultai Nexus of Fate deck that had Scarab God as like another win condition, I guess, like another thing you can do with all that mana from Wilderness Reclamation. But to be honest, as we saw in Standard, the more streamlined that the Nexus of Fate decks were able to get, like the more focused that they could be and the fewer win conditions that they could have in the main deck, the better they were. So I would probably be on the same plan in uh, in Pioneer, to be honest. And the fact that you get to play Literal Fog, so it's only one mana, is pretty nice. You can also play Hate Pollen if you want for cycling. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I think Hate Pollen is probably the place you want to be. Also, like having cycling cards to work with Dig Through Time is pretty nice. Oh yeah, Dig Through Time is insane for this archetype. This will be the. This will probably be the deck that gets Dig Through Time banned if it's not just in every deck. Yeah, Search for Ascanta also insane with uh, Dig Through Time. Yep, for sure. So yeah, I think this format is developing a pace. People are trying all sorts of wild different things. I don't know if the metagame will start to kind of uh, congeal a little bit now after this. Like I expected, so I ran into, I ran through like two leagues today. I expect to just queue up against Sultai after Sultai, but I really didn't. I played against it once. Um, so, or I, it wasn't even Sultai, actually. It was just like a black-green rock deck. Same same basic core of cards, with, with just no Oko. Um, so, yeah, the format is super interesting, constantly developing. Get in on it. Uh, it's so sweet. Yep, for sure. I got your, your, get your, if we get your Pioneer on, it's Pioneer yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, I, I Fortunately, we're not playing any Pioneer this week. I would be playing lots of Standard. Standard, Standard, Standard. I love Standard. Ray, yeah, you're you're going to um, you're going to the GP this weekend, is it? This yeah, this weekend coming. Yeah, yeah, So we'll be playing the MCQ on Friday as well. And um, presuming there is an MCQ on Friday, usually there is. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll yeah, I'll either I'll either engage in the Sultai Mirror matches or um they Grixis Flyers and have everyone cheer for me because they want me to beat the Menace that is Oko. Yeah. That's what a really the best outcome. Yeah, honestly I believe in you all. Just just to start <laughs> that, I, I do think it is a good strategy to just play a deck that has no targets for Noxious Grasp. Because like they have no way to discard it from their hand. So although I guess when you play Nicol Bolas, um you know, they're just gonna yeah, but, that's... but you know still Playing Noxious Grasp and or or have, having Ford or whatever Noxious Grasps in your deck when your opponent's playing literal all the colors that Noxious Grasp doesn't hit, I think you know there is an advantage to be gained there. I don't know if it's strong enough to mean that you know you're you're gonna win the tournament or whatever, but hopefully that is what happens. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I can see I mean, even though Jeskai has you know one or two targets for Noxious Grasp, I mean all they can really target Jeskai is either Kenrith, which uh, you're drawing a card off. Um, Ideally, you're already drawing a card off him or the fairy, which they have to do on their turn when you may have already got a card off the fairy. So it's it's like Jeskai does the same kind of thing as Grixis in, in that sense. Yeah, that that is true. All right, well, I think that's going to be it for this week. Um, I think we're probably going to have fairly strong Pioneer content as as we go forward. Um, so if you're into Pioneer, 
we're going to be talking about it a fair bit as the format develops and new decks are created and bans happen as we expect in sometime soon um i will of course put all the results from the league and the challenge into the show notes um and we did have uh, i believe aiden tweeted some pioneer lists at us i don't think we have time to get through it today but maybe next week if people want to email in lists as well we'll go through uh all uh, a bunch of a uh, bunch of brews and see what we think oh yeah that would be sweet because yeah the format has not settled yet you know there's there's still time for rogue brews to come out of nowhere and seeing those ideas is just always a lot of fun i played against uh uh what's that called what's that deck card called the the black white enchantment from from ether revolt that has a hidden stockpile hidden stockpile i played against one of those today a hidden stockpile anointed procession deck so that's that shit seemed crazy uh, <laughs> I, I hated those decks but they I, yeah, they can be very good i also hated them but they were very good and i think they can also be very good in pioneer and it was a it was a bant deck with goose and oko so you're making like two foods a turn uh and then you can sacrifice your foods to trigger your revolt or whatever um seemed pretty sweet so you know they're just they're very blue sky in the format at the moment so people send in decks everybody thinks differently you know it's so like the first decks that came to my mind were stupid fair decks with dragons and things like that because that's what i liked to play in standard or marvel decks because that's what i like to play in standard but other people had different experiences at those times and you know there's just deck ideas that i'm never gonna have so it's nice to hear them from another person um and it makes you go oh yeah i never really considered that little card or that's a that's a, a an interesting piece that uh that i never thought about before um so yeah email us in with your deck ideas or tweet them at us uh, if you want to email you can email skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com skullcrack spelled with c-r-a-i-c and tweet at us at skullcrack you can also tune into the stream here on any plans to stream pioneer uh yeah definitely i haven't i haven't been streaming that much recently but i think i'm gonna get back to it again starting this week uh pioneer is just a really exciting place to go a place to be so yeah i think i think if you guys want to see pioneer streams uh tune in i think i'll probably try and develop like an actual schedule for the stream so people know when it's going to be happening because at the moment it's just whenever i feel like it so i should probably sort that out yeah it's uh, twitch.tv forward slash skullcrack and then it's also it's getting pretty close to me coming home to Ireland as well. So I feel like when I'm home and I can set up my have my setup, you know, the way that I want it, maybe I'll also take some streaming duties. We can uh, rotate our days so that there's always always activity going on in the School Crack channel. Awesome, definitely, absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a laptop that was uh, manufactured in this century, and I may also stream once I do that. Sounds good. All right, that is gonna do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So here we are. We are in a an era of pioneer, pioneer. Um, I think it's we're getting very excited about all the different kind of all the different 
you know, archetypes, all the different kind of combos, cards, all the different kind of things you can do. Um, but I kind of felt like, at least in my mind, maybe this is because this is around the time when I started playing Magic, I kind of felt like decks were kind of more flavorful back then than they are now. These like, people just have those big piles of Sulta and Golos nonsense is uh, less flavorful than something like, you know, Mono White Humans or, or, or uh, you know, the, the, the Blue Red Phoenix. So uh, I have, or I have here, some cards from the uh, from the Pioneer era, starting from Orkior onwards. Uh, and I have some flavor text. So I'm going to read out flavor text. We're going to have a line versus wolf. Flavor text, fla- flavor face-off. Is that what we called it? Flavor text face-off between the lion and the wolf. Now, are you are you boys ready? We are. I was born ready. All right. Boy, okay. Um, we started, so this time we're going to start with, start, start, start with wolf. Um, we started here on last week. Uh, I try to do these randomly, but I, I just don't. So I wrote, I wrote Wolf same first on a piece of paper for me. Um, so I guess this is, if you're, all right, this is a, some inspiring flavor text, okay? So uh, we'll let the knowledge of absolute law inspire you to live a life of absolute order. Mm, are we getting any any clues? <laughs> um, well, if you're doing poorly, then yes. Uh, um, I mean, this is obviously some kind of Azorius card. That is correct. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna guess supreme verdict. That is incorrect. Kieran, can I get the flavor text again, please? Uh, let the knowledge of absolute law inspire you to live a life of absolute order. No idea. So this is uh, Sphinx's revelation. I think. Uh, I wish. I, thought, I wish the flavor text was a revelation of some sort, rather than uh, just some nonsense. <laughs> a life of absolute order. That's very boring. It's a very boring life. Here's Sorry, a. That's for you. Exactly. Well, here here's a card that has flavor more, more my alley. <laughs> um, so I forgot quite obvious. This is for Kieran first. Um, the first Seder to wake after a revel will search for the site of the next one. Is it Seder Wayfinder? That is Seder Wayfinder. Yes, correct. Okay, I feel like Seder. I got an easy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize Seder was in, in, in the tax itself, but uh, that, um, that's also me on a Saturday morning. Uh, all right, Wolf. Yeah, this is a nice, a nice simple one. And uh, many can stand where one would fall. No. Oh, um, is it simple? <laughs> I mean, it's short, but yeah, I think it is very broad. So, um, all these cards, are they like, they're staples of the format, are they? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Many can stand where one would fall. Oh, 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 collected company. Yes. Oh, very good. Very good. I like to figure it out. Yes. Uh, excellent. Um, oh, my tab's got messed up. All right, Kieran. Uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a quote. Best bury them right. We don't want any gruesome encores. By rest in peace. It's got to be a rest in peace. It's not. It's not rest in peace. No crap. No, David Wolf. Um, this is interesting. I I feel like this could be from Amonkhet or it could be from Innistrad. It's a bit darker, so it sounds like it's probably from Innistrad. Um, I think it's from neither. Really? Yeah. Would you can guess again? No, no, no you guess. You guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna go anointed procession, but I don't I don't think that's right. No, that is incorrect. Yeah. Uh, so, Kieran, what are your extra guests be? What would it be? Is it, is it Rally the Ancestors? No, no, it's Scratcher's Cage. Oh. Oh, makes sense. Uh, see, this is what happens when I have to back and forth. I don't know who actually went. So, Kira, it's me now. Uh, right. No, Kira. No, wait. Right. It's, no, no, it's Wolf now, right? It's Wolf now, yeah. I should, I should have a better spreadsheet for, for these. All right, Wolf, this is... Uh, all right, this, the teamer have no patience for subtlety. The teamer have no patience for subtlety. Um, I, I think it's teamer battle rage. Uh, that is not, no. Damn. Okay, on. Is it Savage Knuckle Dude? No, Savage Knuckle Dude does not have any favorite text, unfortunately. I was I would have had him if he did. <laughs> Even though Savage Knuckle Dude. 
even though he's not a pioneer staple in much in the same way that he was not a standard staple. Exactly. Do you, do you want Josh Nolan to stop listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Josh Nolan did play uh, that played against me on Friday. Um, he played in Embercleave with a, a lot of uh, team or aggressive creatures. Wait, uh, I think Super Battle Rage is probably better than Embercleave, though. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, what What is the card? That's one. Uh, sorry. The card to this is, is Stubborn Denial. Stubborn Denial. Oh, wow, okay. Just like everybody was in Stubborn Denial of uh, of of Savage Up Day not being good at standard. I definitely still trying anyway. I definitely did recognize that uh that flavor text. Like I read it like last week or something, so I really should have got that one. But that's it, yeah. Some of these cards is like I know I know this is something. Um but uh yeah. Um finally uh this is yeah I saw back over to Huron for one more. Um uh, my phone screen has no longer actually no but we got no, we got we got a few more actually sorry I've got right Kieran um this is another straightforward one. The mere approach of an Abzan war beast is enough to send enemies fleeing in panic. Uh, Siege Rhino. That is the CG Rhino. Siege Rhino. The the Rhino. Abzans have Italian accents, right? They do now. All right. <laughs> Wolf, another hard one. <laughs> I mean, these are random, so we, I, it's unfortunate it's working out this way. But uh, all right, so uh, it's natural. It's all around us, and it's there for the taking. Just try and tell me what I'm doing is wrong. <laughs> this is dodgy. <laughs> I love this. I know exactly what card this is because I read it many oh, times. Do you? Yeah, I do. I, I read it many times when I was in standard um, on on my side of the battlefield and on my opponents. And uh, I always thought it was really funny because it's like this person is clearly uh, drugs all the time. But uh, it's a uh, rogue refiner. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. It's got it like because 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 Robert Finer is like blue uh, blue green, it's kind of you don't you don't really think of him as being a bad person, but uh, he seems like a pretty scummy dude right here. Mine, I'll take what I'm doing. No, tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Uh, that's not very cynic, but maybe it is. All right, back back, back to gear on for <laughs> very easy one again. Because you know, what? I think I think I did this before, and I chose my favorite cards, like for favorite cards and magic in general, and uh, that just so happens to have an overlap with these pioneer cards. Uh, Pioneer is great. Uh, this is a this is a quote here on. People's thoughts just come to me. People's thoughts just come to me. Sometimes I don't know if it's them or me thinking. I know this one. D- dig through time. Nope. Damn it. No. Well, well, I know the person who said it. I, I'm actually not 100 percent sure if if it's that card, but uh, Jace said it, so I, I'm pretty sure it's Jace Friends Prodigy. Yeah, it's Jace Friends Prodigy. Yeah. Nice. Pretty good. Um. So that was yes. Yeah, so and now for Wolf. Here on uh, Wolf, we have because this one we also sorry. This one has a like to like state wayfinder. Uh, one of the name the name of the card is in it, so I'm just going to say blank for when the name when part of the card's name comes up. Okay, but it's uh, the loyalty, the loyalty of a blank is hard won, but worth the effort. The loyalty of a blank. Um, is it a Pegasus? What Pegasus? No, it's not Pegasus. <laughs> Loyal Pegasus. <laughs> the loyalty of a Pegasus. Oh yeah, from the card Pegasus Pegasus. Well, no, there's the a Pegasus card, feature. There's a card called Lo- Loyal Pegasus. Oh, Loyal Pegasus. Oh, that that make a lot of sense, uh, but it, it is not Loyal Pegasus officially. Okay. Kieran, uh, would you like to guess? Uh, can I get it once more, please? Uh, yeah, the loyalty of a blank is hard won, but worth the effort. Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. I have. I don't have a guess. Wait. No. Is it? Is it from Kaladesh? Uh. From Canada's block, yeah, which basically means no A3 bolt. Mm, mm. What loyalty? 
Oh, I know. Is it the loyalty of an Aetherborn? No, I thought you were just spending No, that is incorrect. Oh, god damn it. Uh, okay, I don't know. It's the loyalty of a Felidar. Oh, uh, god damn it. These are so close. Is that the uh, text of Feldar Guardian? Yeah, yeah, the loyalty of a Felidar. The loyalty of a Felidar. Felidar? The loyalty of a Felidar is hard won, but worth the effort. That's cute. Very nice. Uh, win the game. Yeah, loyal Pegasus is, is exactly if we win the game. Uh, this is a uh, loyal Pegasus is even if I should die in the saddle, she will not let me fall to the ground. That's nice. Yeah, that's pretty nice. You know, finally, well, yeah, finally for Kieran. Uh, it's just people. People say the same thing about the line versus wolf questions sometimes. It's uh, an enigma as vexing as life itself. An enigma as vexing as life itself. I know this one. Sphinx's tutelage. Yeah, no. Damn it. Far more vexing than things to Probably combos pretty well. well actually, maybe not. So, uh, Wolf. Yeah, I was wondering, actually. I was thinking about this one earlier, and I was wondering whether you were going to use it. Uh, it is Emrakul, The Promised End. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said it before. Yes. Uh, Emrakul is an enigma as vexing as as life itself. Um, all, all three of the new versions of the Eldrazi Titans have... As something, as something itself. As yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think it's like, um, yeah, something like what? Cosmics is like, as is, is, is something, as is something, as time itself. Or maybe, no, hang on, the hunger. Uh, they're all kind of similar. I think you know, they, they sound nice, but they probably don't really make much sense when you think about it. No, no. I, I think Ulamog's one did make sense. It was like uh, voraciousness or something like that. Kozilek was reality itself. Um yeah. Ulamog is a force, a force as voracious as time itself. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, just for the record, the the flavor text of Sphinx's tutelage is you've never considered the implications of dealing with another telepath, Jace. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> like uh, Dennis Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, any more? No, uh, that brings us to the end. Uh, Wolf has been con- con- conquered. He's been victorious. Over over the line in in distances. Uh, I if I have four two here, I, I might be wrong. I'm always very bad at keeping track of the scoring these because we have the the conceal the question. Maybe we should have stopped doing that. Um, I'll work harder in future to make sure the questions are balanced because they were extremely uh, unbalanced. Well, it's actually unbalanced. Uh, actually, the wolf got some ones, so maybe maybe it was not. I think my my knowledge of staple uh, pioneer staple flavor text is pretty decent. So I think uh, it's a good oh. Oh, is it? All right. Well, I, I have one more here, which I thought would be hard. But you're, you're, if you're going to brag like that, all right. Uh, do you know what's it? All right. If you get this wrong, Kieran wins. Okay. This is a. Now, this is not. A, well, I suppose it's not. A, it's not a staple. Not a staple yet. Um, if survival is a game, I've seen the winner. This is by Hazir. Quote by Hazir, Sriji uh, cartographer. What? Say it all. Say all that again. <laughs> you're like, no, this is nonsense. <laughs> uh, if survival is a game. I've seen the winner. I've seen the winner. I've seen uh, it. So it's a quote by Hazir Sirigi. Uh, yeah, Sajiri cartographer. Yeah, cartographer. Sajiri. S-A-J-E-E-R-I. No, S-E-S-E-J-I-R-I. Ah. Um, Sajiri. I want to say that's from Zendikar. That is correct. Um, oh, wait. So it must be from Battle for Zendikar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Here, here's. I actually don't know what card it is, like offhand, but I'm just gonna go with the answer that I think. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing this answer based upon 
my knowledge of Alan Harrison, not based upon my knowledge of <laughs> here. I think you're going to get it then if you could take, if you take that route. Yeah. I think it's Jaddy Offshoot. No, you're wrong. <laughs> Damn. Damn it. You don't know me at all. What is it? Kieran, uh, would you like to guess? Um, I've, I have no idea. Oh, this is a Felidar Sovereign, um, which I found by accident while I was looking up Felidar Guardian. Oh, that's, nice. that's a terrible flavor text for Felidar Sovereign. It actually really is, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I suppose it goes with win the game if you're surviving, and then you win the game if you survive forty life or more. I guess, I guess. I mean, the real favorite text of this card is at the beginning of your keep. If you have forty more life, you win the game. True, true. All right, and on that wonderful note of winning the game, that's going to do it for us. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.